It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest, happy holidays, Merry Christmas from Emerald Downs. Joe with Vince Brune here on Horse Racing Northwest. A couple weeks, a little less than that, before Christmas 2023. And uh, we've got some guests on today, as we usually do on Horse Racing Northwest. Debbie Pabst is going to join us. Debbie Pabst has won virtually every award Washington can bestow in the horse racing industry. Debbie and Rick Pabst of Pabst Blue Ribbon Farm in Buckley. And uh, they've got a new stallion out there, which is exciting news for the racing industry. And um, Debbie is a part owner of many horses and, of course, a Hall of Fame breeder here in Washington. Vince, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. I got a little... I just ate about 500 M&Ms up in my office. <laughs> I got a little sugar buzz going here. <laughs> I had this big jar of them and I couldn't stop. So now, anyway. I hope it's less than 500. I hope the count's less than You've 500. You've seen though how big those yeah, jars are yeah. of them. I ate too many. Anyhow, okay. yeah, good You're, to be here. And we're, as we announced last time, we're looking at 55 days coming up in 2024. Yeah. Starting on Kentucky Derby Day next year. Saturday, May 4th, uh, run through September 13th. 15th. 15th. Okay. And the other big change, you know, that's three more days. And the other change is the slightly different post times. 7 p.m. still on Friday when that begins. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday, Saturdays move up a half hour to 1.30. And Sundays, all, or, I've got, let me try again. Sundays move up a half hour to 1.30. Saturdays, no more 5 o'clock, will go. 1.30 also on Saturdays, so consistent 1.30 on Saturdays and Sundays throughout yeah, the season. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be pretty well received. Uh, a lot of your regular players and horse bettors, uh, they like to be around when, say, uh, Saratoga Del Mar running in the afternoon, and we'll be running as well. So 1.30 start, Saturdays and Sundays coming up next season at Emerald Downs. 2020 will be our... Uh, Let's see, 29th season. 29th season yeah, coming wow. up, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent some time here. Okay. And uh, we're also going to talk with Frank Lucarelli. He's going to have a couple of comments on Howard Hammer, who passed away a couple weeks ago at age 103. Howard was here a lot every year, including this summer with his wife, Dee, and he raced a lot of horses all up and down the West Coast in Washington. Uh, his brother, Jerry's going to join us. And Jerry worked for Howard, his older brother. And uh, Jerry had his own logging companies. And uh, yeah, I didn't say the word logging yet. Howard Hammer is an absolute legend in the logging industry, as well as being a horse owner since the mid-60s, Vince. Remarkable uh, lifetime, 103, yeah. as you mentioned. And still was very, last time we saw him, uh, about six weeks ago here at the track, he still looks strong and healthy and vibrant. Uh, just a remarkable uh, individual uh, 
both uh, from the longevity uh, standpoint and also from the business uh, standpoint. Oh. You know, the, the Oregon, uh, was it uh, Aaron Jones was kind of the lumber baron who struck it big in racing. We had kind of our own up here with Howard Hammer in Washington, up around Stan, uh, Stanwood, Whatcom County up north. Uh, yep. Just very, very successful man. Yeah, and his service is this Sunday at the Deming Log Show. The Deming Log Show, 1 p.m. this coming Sunday. Deming is a little bit northeast of Bellingham and uh, Whatcom County. He is a legend up there as a logger. A uh, gentleman named Eric Erickson wrote some books on logging in Whatcom County, and Howard Hammer certainly part of that story. So we'll talk with his brother. Uh, Debbie Pabst is going to join us as well. Emerald Downs is open seven days a week for full card simulcasting. A lot of action in December. And so you can enjoy that here at Emerald Downs uh, seven days a week. Uh, we do have a $49 season pass available to purchase for live racing for Emerald Downs for 2024. $49 for your 55 days of racing. And that offer is good through the end of this year, December 31st. So you can get that at our customer service center at Emerald Downs or go to emeralddowns.com. Uh, Dancing at the Downs, our next uh, Saturday night dance night will be December 23rd, the eve of Christmas Eve. So that is just a week from this coming Saturday. Saturday the 23rd, Rolling Stones tribute band, Dancing at the Downs, Saturday evening, uh, December 23rd, our next dancing in uh, night here at the track. Um, That's up on the fifth floor. Yeah, it starts about, uh, the music starts a little after 7 p.m. Evening function. Yeah, they've been pretty popular. A uh, couple other things on racing, Vince. Not a lot of change at the top among the Washington bred horse leading earners for 2023. Zabra Cadabra, the son of Harbor the Gold, who's done very well in Maryland and a little bit at Delaware Park. He's earned $160,000. Six-year-old this year. He's had uh, a few good years in a row. Talked to his owner breeder, Frank Sample. Told him about the mile. He was well familiar with the mile, but the horse was about 3,000 miles away and uh, didn't elect to come this year. But uh, he is number one on the list. I think he was number three or four last year. Zabra Cadabra, six-year-old male, son of Harbor the Gold. My Harbor's Dream is number two. And you know this horse, uh, Val Brinkerhoff, the fellow that trained Restrained Vengeance and almost pulled off an upset in the mile in 2019 with that horse. He had My Harbor's Dream down in uh, down at Santa Anita earlier in the year, and there was a bunch of claims for him on closing day, and he went back east, and he's made 130 grand. Yeah, and he's kind of going up the class ladder too. Claimed for 62,500 last out, so he's number two. Uh, Bodenheimer is number three. He had four straight wins to start off his 2023 campaign uh, on the grass. And uh, he did run in the, uh, he ran in the Claiming Crown. He was sixth in that at the fairgrounds uh, earlier this month. But uh, four wins for Bodenheimer, who was our uh, horse of the year as a two-year-old. Back in 2020. 2020, yeah. Dutton and uh, himself both had those sensational juvenile years. Asina, daughter of Coast Guard and Market Formula. Couple of nice wins in the Midwest. She has eighty-six thousand. Number five is Slew's Tiz Wiz. 
He's lost his whiz, a double stakes winner at Emerald Downs, won the Governor's, won the Washington Cup Muckleshoot Tribal Classic as well. And, of course, he is the defending Washington Horse of the Year. He's fifth. Blazing Bella Blue is right behind him. She had a couple stakes wins. She's in uh, training down in Northern Cal right now. So there's a list of uh, the leading earners. Probably won't change too much with Golden Gate now closed. Uh, they closed last Sunday, and they'll open again on December 26th, the day after Christmas, a big day always, opening of the Santa Anita main meeting, and Golden Gate also reopens that day. And they're, uh, they're on the road to... Uh, their last season, Vince, Golden Gate Fields. Yes, they are. I think it's June 14th is the last day, and they have a new track announcer, they too, do. beginning on December 26th. Transition right into that. And who is that track announcer? It is Bill Downs, yeah. who, of course, spent the last two years here at Emerald Downs, and uh, Bill leaving here on good terms. And uh, interesting uh, decision by Bill to go to Northern California and... Uh, and uh, finish up there as Golden Gate uh, uh, winds down. And then, of course, Emerald Downs will have a new yeah. announcer in the booth when we open on uh, May 4th. Yep, there's been some, been some discussions out and around Emerald Downs as to who our new announcer will be. And Phil Ziegler's working on that with some candidates. We will not be Keeneland in the 70s with... Oh. No one else. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a new one. So Bill had a couple of years here. Of course, Bill was a big part of our podcast during the live season the last couple of years. We wish him well. As uh, He's been around the country a little bit, hasn't he? He has, yeah. And, Presque Isle and... Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Colorado, Colorado or Apaho yeah. Park yeah. and uh, Indianapolis, of yeah. course, Indiana. Yeah. And uh, good announcer, and uh, Bill's a friend. I enjoy spending time with them. He's a very intelligent guy, as you know, Joe, and you guys had a good uh, camaraderie on the handicapper's corner every yeah. day, picked a lot of winners, and uh, he'll be missed. Yeah, Bill Downs. New track announcer at Golden Gate as they start their winter meet December 26th, the last meeting at Golden Gate. I'm sure many of our listeners are going to make plans to make one more trip down to the East Bay uh, what a what a sight again! <laughs> As a male, if you use many of the restrooms at Golden Gate Fields, they have windows in the restrooms. You're looking out, and there is the Golden Gate Bridge in downtown San Francisco. Uh, kind of a, a tremendous sight from a restroom. Let's put it that it's way. It's beautiful, yeah. And it, the one thing about Golden Gate, I kind of never understood because it, it's like you mentioned, it's such a beautiful location and then right when the weather's turning good like very similar climate to seattle mm -hmm. they'd go on the interstate to go to all the fairs at uh, sacramento and stockton and Vallejo, where it was really warm and hot and uh meanwhile golden gate you finally have the good weather and that's when they would go on the fair circuit um but anyhow uh this will be it also on december 26th of course we know what that means as well opening day at santa anita so that'll be Always a great day of simulcasting here. At oh, yeah. Dance. And all the big tracks in action that day as well. Um, we're going to talk about Harold ha Howard Hammer, excuse me, Howard uh, passing away at 103. Harold May also was a big part of the Washington thoroughbred industry. He passed away recently at age 90. Harold May, 
and he hadn't been too active in the Emerald Downs era, but very prominent in the Longacres era. He was born and raised in Nebraska. He was the youngest of 13 children, uh, served in the U.S. Army, worked at Grand Coulee Dam after it was built, uh, wife Virginia, had kids Crystal, Lincoln, and Sheila, three grandchildren, three great-grandchildren, uh, really well-known in the local construction steel business with Tri-M Construction with two of his brothers. Um, they worked uh, steel in the kingdom, and Howard actually, Harold, excuse me, Harold May actually watched it implode. I think that, was that 99 or 2000? Right Early around 2000, I think. Yeah. And, you know, when you mention these kind of guys, Joe, one thing I've always enjoyed about our sport is all the different business people yeah. from all successful walks of different types of businesses have gotten involved, you know, over the years. And it's just... Yeah, he, he built a successful business with, with his brothers, Tri-M Construction, and large buildings, roadways, the King Dome, you know, those are uh, big money projects. Um, and uh, he purchased 40 acres in Enumclaw and had mares and bred horses. His uh, trainer mostly was Neil Lytle, who I got a lot of this information from Neil. She still lives in Enumclaw. And uh, Neil was partner with a few horses with Harold May. Um, he did breed Aaron Tree. You remember that real fast daughter of Knight's Choice in the 90s? I do. Yeah. And I don't know if he was part of Pilot's Panache, but that was a... That was a Neil Lytle That was runner. a Neil Lytle stakes winner. It was a good three-year-old. And I distinctly remember the real pink silks that the horse mm -hmm. wore in it. Won a couple times at a big price. Yeah, um, and he did. Neil Lytle says he he did breed a little bit more than he raced, but he was prominent in that Enum Clap Plateau with his forty acres, and uh, he also employed trainers Jeff Hudson and Jan Jan Masco, who soon became Jan Bays and his horseman's uh, bookkeeper at Emerald Downs, wife of Vern Bays. So, our condolences to the May family. Harold May passed away earlier this month at age 90. And uh, speaking of Howard Hammer, uh, just a tremendous life in business and in horse racing, again, involved in the Washington thoroughbred industry since the 1960s. Uh, Frank Lucarelli was one of his many trainers. And uh, Frank uh, talked to, with us, and, and we've got a couple of comments from Frank here. Uh, he talks about meeting Howard Hammer and what he was like as an owner. I actually met him at the track, and uh, I'm not sure how we started up a relationship, but they they got a hold of me one day, and I um, had several horses for him, and we did quite well with uh, a few of them, and uh, they've had a lot of different trainers, and um, Howard, I know he had horses well back into Longacre's days, and and uh, he's a great guy. He was a good. He was he was sharp. He he would pick most of his horses. He liked claiming horses and he'd actually pick out most of them and uh, did a pretty good job. Yeah, Howard uh, Howard used a lot of trainers over the years and Frank kind of chuckled. He said, yeah, he'd move his horses out and I got him back as an owner and he moved out again and there was never any bad feelings. He just, uh, he was a businessman and, you know, just wanted to move things around and made a lot of decisions on his own and here's a little bit more from uh, Frank. You know, he was just a nice guy. I mean, they, uh, you know, they would, uh, he's one of those guys that, uh, 
you know, they'd move on and go to another barn and bring horses, but you never even got mad at the guy. He just kind of was a nice guy. And, uh, you know, D and him were very quiet, very pleasant. And he would, he would never get too excited. He just, uh, he was a very, he knew what he wanted. He knew what, what he wanted to do. And he'd say, Hey, get rid of this horse or do this with that horse. And he knew where he wanted to be. And, and, uh, you know, but, nicest guy around i think you could ask anybody around the racetrack uh about howard hammer and it's just like he was pleasant even up to last summer uh you know in august september you saw him running around there and uh you know he was slowing up some but uh pleasant and sharp as could be you know and uh i don't think i'm i'm pretty sure you won't find anybody say anything bad about howard hammer some nice words from trainer frank lucarelli on howard hammer and, uh, yeah, involved in this industry, uh, Lawan, he had two horses by the name of Lawan. And, uh, I, you're, I don't know if you remember the first, it was in the seventies. Oh yeah. Yeah. The horse would run in the 10th race. Of yeah. It was kind of a long router. And, distance uh, horse. yeah, I've got this copy here. He was a well-known distance specialist in Washington. Controversy ensued when he opened up a 34 length lead in the Apple Land Marathon at Yakima Meadows, he won easily, but racing officials had lost track of the field because they were f- so far spread out and wanted to crown French, dip- French diplomat as the winner. And uh, they did get order restored, and Lawan got credit for the victory in the Apple Land Marathon. And, of course, Lawan, the second Lawan, ran in our mile in 2020, I think, with John Parker's silks at the time. But Howard Hammer had him for quite Multiple a while. winner. Yeah, Howard Hammer, as you mentioned, that was Rema Racing here at the racetrack. And most recently with George Rosales here, and a tremendous amount of success with Jack Steiner down in uh, Northern California the last several years. That's right. Some of the other trainers uh, in the past, Doug Adams, Craig Roberts, Mark Molina, uh, and Blaine Wright as well. And uh, we'll hear some one of Howard's horses in action here coming up on Horse Racing Northwest. And we'll be right back with much more. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Top of the stretch and Bold Ranger goes straight up to join Flying Notes. And now the race is on. Bold Ranger goes to the lead. Bold Ranger by a half to Flying Notes. A gap to all in one. Bold Ranger three quarters. Flying Notes still game on the inside. Comes back. Bold Ranger, Flying Notes. Bold Ranger ahead and Bold Ranger wins. That was the 2002 Pepsi Cola Handicap at Emerald Downs. Bold Ranger, a new track record for six and a half furlongs, one thirteen and four fifths. Bold Ranger, a Washington bred by Game Plan, trained by Mark Molina, bred by Jeff Ranger, and owned, of course, by Rema Racing of Howard Hammer. Bold Ranger, one of our early speedsters. He won a couple of real fast races, two stakes. And he beat Flying Notes in that Pepsi-Cola handicap. Flying Notes would win three stakes of his own, including the Derby 
in the summer of 2002. Howard Hammer owned Bold Ranger. A lot of enjoyment there. Bold Ranger also won in California. And, of course, Howard Hammer also won the 1991 Gottstein with Whatcom Warrior. A huge first prize there. Too Busy to Call was a very frequent winner in the early Emerald Downs years. Two horses by the name of Lawan, Silver Gem. Just a lot of great runners and excitement for Howard Hammer in his ownership era in Washington Racing. And joining us on Horse Racing Northwest is the younger brother of Howard Hammer, Jerry Hammer. And Jerry, so good to have you on. Uh, Celebration of your brother's life coming up this Sunday in Deming, but uh, you were there for a whole bunch of it. And uh, our condolences to you, of course, but boy, you've got to marvel on the life that your brother led. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, Howard was a few years older than you. Uh, what do you remember about your youth and him being older? And did you look up to him when uh, you were younger? I sure did. I, I looked. I looked up to seven. I looked up to six brothers. I had seven. Wow. And and what do you? But I looked up to all of them, including Howard. And, and I I spent a lot of time. I uh, worked with Howard for a number of years. Yeah. Howard uh, got into the logging industry um, as kind of a, a fairly young guy. Um, what set him apart? What made him successful in that logging business? Hard work for number one, and a, and he's got had a lot of intelligence. He's smart. He, uh, I learned a lot from Howard, and, and I certainly looked up to him. Boy, I can see why. You know, I mean, he bought bought into businesses, worked businesses, sold businesses, started other ones. Uh, you know, uh, it sounded like he was an outstanding businessman, but but he got his hands dirty out in the field as a logger, didn't he? He sure did. <laughs> uh, and back then, probably equipment wasn't quite as refined as it is now, uh, uh, but he, he must have stayed safe, and I, I suppose you can't avoid having a few minor injuries, a few minor dings, but uh, uh, boy, uh, you kind of... Well, I can excuse me. I can share with you that Howard started out in, in the logging field. Started out horse logging. Yeah, you bet. And was, uh, Us, using horse teams, sure. Yeah, he had teams of horses. Well, he was born in 1920, so he was right. logging in the 30s. And and uh, what was his uh, in his prime there? What was a yearly routine like for Howard? Uh, how did things go? in the course of a year? Well, in, in, the, in the course of a year, in the course of his life, Howard uh, did something that uh, a lot of people don't do, uh, physically physically working. Hi, uh, Regine. Uh, Howard, uh, uh, I can give you an example. Uh, I, was, I worked for Howard for quite a long time. And uh, I was actually running the woods into Howard's operation. And Howard, Howard come up one day, and uh, we had a big fur, a huge fur, probably probably a good seven feet in diameter, maybe even a little bigger. Anyway, Howard, I'd been doing it 
all that rigging, topping, and all that stuff. Howard said, Jerry, I want to do this one. And I said, have at it. <laughs> I was so glad that he took it on because it was, those are tough. That bark on a fir tree is so thick. Hmm. Your, your climbing spurs, you have to chop every every hole, every spot, because the spurs won't hold in the bark. Wow. And Howard, Howard climbed that tree. And the crazy thing about it, he uh, he blasted the top out of it, and the top the top was about probably three four feet in diameter. He chopped a ring all the way around the top of that, and put a used a uh, rubber inner tube, filled it with explosives, and uh, blew the top right out of the tree. And just all of a sudden, it was there, and all of a sudden, it wasn't there. <laughs> Well, that sounds like a pretty big tree, all right, if it's three or four feet in diameter at the top. Yeah, it wow. Big, it was bigger than that. Well, at the top, yes. Yeah. It was a big tree. Huge tree. How old about was Howard when that happened? Uh, do you have any? Uh, uh, it, uh, it would have been, well, I can't, I can't say for sure because yeah. I was, I'd been working for him for a few years at that time. But. And, uh, he didn't really slow down very early, did he? I mean, he kept going. Uh, he had that sixty-year career in the logging industry. Well, I can I can tell you why. Hmm. Because if you uh, if you enjoy what you're doing, and I don't, it doesn't matter if it's business or or what people call work, if you enjoy what you're doing, it isn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you hear that I mean, a lot. Howard, Howard enjoyed business. He enjoyed working hard. Hey, Jerry, Vince here. I was wondering where Howard, when he first fell in love with the game of thoroughbred racing, how he began his involvement there. You know, I was invited in on that, and I uh, I chose not to. Uh, my brother Howard and my brother Dick both got into it, and uh, it wasn't my thing. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm 88 years old, and I still work every day. Well, so it, it runs. It runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, you sound very healthy, and you know, best best of health to you as well. Um, as uh, we did mention, Howard's service, Howard Hammer service this Sunday at the Deming Log Show, one p.m. Deming, a little northeast of Bellingham, and and I think I've heard from your family that he started that Deming Log Show. Uh, Howard was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were several of us that were involved in it. Okay. But Howard was a big part of it. Howard was the second president of the log show, and he Finley Hayes was uh, the first. It was the first year. It, it uh, started out as a, a fundraiser for a uh, a logger that got hurt uh, seriously. In fact, he might have got killed. I can't remember for sure. Mm. But uh, that was the, that was the beginning of the log show, and that was a, a fundraiser for his family. And uh, your wife, Lurleen, uh, mentioned to me, boy, if you haven't seen one of those, they're really something to watch. And uh, I know Howard won a ton of trophies in different competitions. So you told one anecdotal story there about the tall fur, but uh, it sounds like he knew his way around the business uh, as well as anybody in Washington history. Yeah, he did. I can I can share with you also that Howard... Uh, it didn't. It didn't make a lot of difference what he was doing or or uh, what business he was looking at or into. Howard was in a number of different businesses that, that I'm well familiar with. 
and uh, he was he was successful at everything he, everything he got into, as far as I can remember. Yeah, just the the physical work, the the mental acumen, the business sense. Uh, it really he really put it together in a long life, and and added so much to the uh, disciplines that he got involved in. Just uh, a really really accomplished man and. Boy, we saw him out here at Emerald Downs, Jerry, a, a lot this summer with D, and uh, he was racing horses in California just the, the week that he passed. Uh, he, he just didn't slow down much, did he? What an example. No, he didn't slow down. He's, uh, like I said before, if, if you enjoy what you're doing, it isn't work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he enjoyed what he was doing. you followed his footsteps. It sounds like you had a success, very successful career as well. And I know Howard and, and your brothers, uh, you've given them credit for going before you. But uh, you sound great. And uh, um, this podcast will be available to any of his friends uh, uh, later this afternoon with uh, your comments and Frank Lucarelli's comments. And we... We just uh, really love to see Howard at the track. Uh, he was here so often, and I know his birthday often fell on Kentucky Derby Day, and he did go to the Derby several times. Uh, uh, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, he was a traveler, a doer, and, uh, yeah, it's all out there. So thank you so when, much. Uh, when Howard retired, Watcom Warrior, he uh, asked me if I'd take care of him, hmm. which I did. Is that right? I yeah, I took I took care of Watkins Warrior for a while, period of time. That's great. You know, those we do a lot of retired racehorse stories, and and that's outstanding. Uh, and uh, did you live in Whatcom County at the time? Only for eighty eight years. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us and uh, relating some stories about your brother. Howard Hammer, uh, again, the service in Deming this Sunday at 1 p.m. And uh, just a, a fantastic life, born in Oregon, uh, but most of his life and career in the state of Washington and a huge presence and huge contributions to the thoroughbred racing industry in this state as well. So, Jerry, you bet. thanks for joining us. Really appreciate thank, it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry Hammer joining us on Horse Racing Northwest from Whatcom County, Vince. 88 years there, and he sounds great. And uh, just uh, you could go on talking about Howard. I'm sure there's going to be so many great stories about him at the service this Sunday. You know, uh, he had a starter in the mile this year, and it was kind of an appropriately named horse, a man's man, because Howard Hammer was a man's man for sure. Well said. Yeah, that's that's right. A starter in this year's mile. Okay, well, uh, we won't soon forget Howard Hammer, uh, and neither will so many others in this state in varied businesses. Um, and we're going to have Debbie Pabst on in our next segment. But uh, some good news from uh, Turf Paradise, Vince. Um, well, Golden Gate is winding down. Turf Paradise seems to have some life in talking with a, a couple of horsemen this week. Uh, they are working on the dirt track. They're working on the turf track. They are, uh, they've got approved their rail. There were some questions there about an older uh, rail, but that's been approved. So, boy, it looks like 
Uh, they are going to have their meet. They're kind of roughly scheduled for starting uh, after the first of the year. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, horses will be able to go in a couple weeks from now if all goes well. It will. Sounds like uh, Jerry Sims will still be the owner as of now. I'm not sure where the the new uh, gentleman who expressed interest in uh, reviving the track where that stands. You mentioned something they might be having a commission meeting down there soon. I think whatever, but it certainly seems as if Turf Paradise will be in action, and that's great news for. Oh. For us and for racing on the West Coast, very much. And some of those purses sound pretty good. Yeah, it's, we've heard some good news there, too. And it sounds like they would go four days a week, Monday through Thursday. And, uh, and of course, it dovetails beautifully into our season here traditionally. So, uh, yeah, we, we need some good news like that. Yeah, we do. And uh, so let's hope for the best for Turf Paradise. Uh, just, yeah, a great compliment to Northwest Racing uh, as they start after we end and uh end when we start and of course joe toy just for one has made that work for 27 previous years in emerald downs era and uh, so best of luck to turf paradise and so many northwest horsemen that participate there we're going to take a break and come back with uh owner breeder debbie pabst here on horse racing northwest It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. As they turn for home in the fourth race on Long Acres Mile Day. Aliante, here's My Heart Awakens moving through strongly on the inside. And My Heart Awakens skims the rail to the front. My Heart Awakens, the new leader, Sarabi's Rules, trying to keep up with him. And then Aliante, who's weakened in third, 100 yards to go. My Heart Awakens with a nice debut in his career debut. My Heart Awakens, the winner by two likes. That was a 2017 race at Emerald Downs. And the winner, My Heart Awakens, was the first ever winner for New Sire Alternation, who made a million bucks at the track, multiple graded stakes winner, son of distorted humor, 9 out of 19. And that was his first winner, My Heart Awakens. It was here at Emerald Downs in 2017. He went on to win an allowance after that right away. So Alternation got off to a good start, good start as a sire now in the Northwest at the Pabst right. Blue Ribbon Farm in Buckley. And Debbie Pabst is joining us here on Horse Racing Northwest. Debbie, welcome. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Same to you. And uh, yes, I, I got my, my best Christmas present already, and that's Alternation when he arrived. So uh, that was that was really a big day here and and we're pretty excited to have him yes that is great news uh, uh paps blue ribbon farm hall of fame washington breeders rick and debbie Pabst in and family in buckley uh for so many years uh mares uh foals uh you know putting together syndicates racing horses breeding horses uh and of course 
uh, Peaceful Wings, the all-time greatest broodmare in Washington history with 14 winners at Emerald Downs, 14 separate horses, and 15 overall for Peaceful Wings, the daughter of Halo. That story pretty well documented. You can go to Emerald Downs YouTube and find out more about the great Peaceful Wings. But uh, you got into the stud business a few years ago, and and, uh, what was the reason to do that? And tell us about that uh, uh, experience. Well, we we actually kind of had a family meeting and said, you know, is there is there something in this business that we're not that we're not doing that we could be doing that might help us um, uh, survive a little better in the business? And uh, we said, well, we never stood a stallion, and and uh, so my members of you know, my children, specifically maybe my daughter Miranda, said, well, you know, have you got space? Do you have room? Could you do this? And the answer is, well, yeah, I think we could have two, you know, if you figure out how it would work. And and uh, so then at the same time that that was going on, that we were talking about that, Nationhood was running at Emerald Downs and belonged to some friends of mine and uh, horses who had actually owned a owned a few horses that we bred, so, um, and I had been talking to him, and he said, you know, we have this horse, you know, he, he bowed, or he got a bowed tendon or whatever in the, in the last start of his career, which was uh, the... Um, the mile. Which was the mile, right, right, the one won by Wasserman, yeah. Yep. And, um, I, so bet, he, I bet on he, Nationhood that day. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's beaten Wasserman. He's beaten Wasserman exactly. going a mile in one of the previous races because yep. he... You know, he he got an easy lead and and beat him, yeah. So, but anyway, injured injured himself in that mile, and he was off for almost a year. And they were trying to bring him back, and uh, and it wasn't going to work. And so he was talking to me about it, and I said, "Well, we'll go we'll go see him." You know, so we went down and looked at him, and and he's really a pleasant sort of fellow. You know, really a nice guy <laughs> to be around. And uh, and I said, "Well, you know, what the heck." Maybe this is our this is our horse to start with, so we we started with Nationhood. Yeah, we were also think, thinking at that time we were thinking about Attaboy Roy because we we had you know we bred him and sold him and followed his career and and we're still uh, very friendly with the with the people and and I thought you know if we'd had a little practice it would be a good thing to to know what we were doing. I mean, not that we haven't seen a lot of mares bred because over the years um, you know we we manage every year about 40 to 50 horses and 50 mares and, and we haul them to other people's places to be bred, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, particularly Rick had watched who made most of those, many of those trips, you know, had, had really, uh, known what was going on. So, so anyway, we, we went ahead and stood nationhood, got our feet wet. And then a couple of years later, stood Attaboy Roy. And then, then, uh, Attaboy Roy got moved. Uh, somebody bought the. Well, it was actually Valerie Lund who bought the bought the trolling interest from Roy Schaefer, and moved him to Kentucky. And 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 also maybe a month later, Nationhood died. Mm. And so we went from having two stallions to having no stallions. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was kind of a big shock. But and and then we we acquired Conveyance, and and so yeah, and he. He actually, we got three seasons out of him. He was actually in, in end-stage renal disease, but he was doing well, and and we were really surprised that we thought we were going to get a couple more years uh, from him, 
and but that didn't happen and yeah. and uh so then we we sat there and said another heart <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. we went out searching for for somebody to replace conveyance and and um it's kind of an interesting thing you you can you can go out and talk to to agents and they'll tell you what's for sale but that's really not the best way to do it because they everybody knows about those horses and they they're for sale and they're and the only reason you hear about them is because they're not very very good prospects so um i i looked around and and got together with Dana Halverson and I sent him after alternation and uh and we were able to put together a deal, and I was really excited about that because he was he was basically a, very high up on my list of possibles. And um, but he was not officially for sale when we hmm. when we bought him. Standing in Kentucky, yeah. correct? Yes, he was at Darby Dan Farm. He had been at, at he started his career at Pin Oak, and uh, and then when they when uh, the gal there uh, that's her name uh, when she got really sick and uh, and they clo- basically closed pin up down then he moved to Darby Dan and um so then uh, it's just it's a it's a kind of a tricky deal because you want you want the best horse you can find but you can't afford the best horse you can find <laughs> you see what i'm saying but yeah. so you try to try to find a, a horse that's, that would really do well here but is probably not quite good enough to be there i guess that would be the best way to describe it so so uh, you're trying to find the, the best horse you can, and this horse is, certainly fits that. And and um, he's he's a really wonderful physical individual, and he has a great temperament. And um, we've really been fortunate in that the stallions that have stood here um, have been nice, nice individuals to handle and so forth. And um, I always told Dana that that a bad temperament was a disqualifying deal. I was not going to buy somebody else's problem and get my people hurt, you know. So um anyway, but he's here and he's he's just lovely. And um so and and I'm really one of the things that's interesting about him is that he's his his best two of his best horses, he has ten stakes winners, are inbred pretty tightly to his Seattle flu because of course his dam is by Seattle flu. And and that's kind of unusual. So um, but it gives us a clear path to what might work with him here. So um, people who have, you know, Sloodledoo, the pedigrees of their mares, or and other forms of Seattle flu from other locations should really pay attention to this horse because he could really that they could really breed themselves a good horse. Yeah, Debbie, like I, said, he's had. I had forgotten that uh, uh, Alternation is the uh, has, is the stallion of uh, Serengeti Empress. Who, right. who is a multiple grade one winner, won the grade one Kentucky Oaks at a mile and an eighth and also won the grade one ballerina at seven furlongs. And what's right in between seven furlongs and a mile and eighth is a mile, which would fit right. really great at uh, at Emerald Downs, of course. But uh, he that's uh, quite an accomplishment. That's a $2 million earner. And uh, yes. to acquire a stallion like that is, is pretty neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited about it. I really am, and like I said, he's a he's a great physical individual and a, and a lovely horse to be around. So those those things just are just frosting on the cake, and 
And uh, he, you know, like I said, I was trying to give people a clue that what might work with him. But, you know, he has almost 300 foals of racing age. So you have, you have clues out there that you can, you know, you can see what has worked for him with him. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's one of the things that we're doing right now is contacting people that we know that, you know, saying to them, you know, you know, this is in your horse's pedigree and this would maybe go well with alternation. Alternation, yeah. quite the racehorse, uh, multiple graded stakes winner, uh, millionaire. I think he's age 15. Is that right, Debbie? Yes, he's, fif- yes, he's 15. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's 15. He was a very, really quite a sound horse. I think he made 23 starts. And uh, and his mother, his dam, who was a, she was a saddle flume mare that made over half a million dollars, and she made wow. over 20 starts as well. So, you know, in these days of horses making four starts and things like that, <laughs> um, he, he's kind of in a different different category, and uh, which is great, which which is a thing I really, really like in a horse. And uh, so, yeah. Well, we are expecting success. Um, it's not by accident that... Uh, Debbie and Rick Pabst have uh, made a lot of great decisions. Debbie is just thoroughly knowledgeable in, in North American breeding history. Um, nationhood, I think, Debbie, he had a state champion in his first crop. Uh, find your spot. Uh, she was state champion, three-year-old right. filly. I think that was his first crop, wasn't it? It was um, right right around there. first or second. I okay. can't remember, but it was right away in the beginning. He... He was really underused here. I mean, he didn't even ever ever have a hundred foals. Um, I think he had eighty-seven or something like that. He had two state champions because Coron was the second one. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the thing that's interesting, he was out of that tremendous female family that Violence is also out of. And uh, so, uh, I, like I said, I think he was underutilized here, and we we bred to him quite a bit with our own mares and, and did well getting a lot of runners. And like I said, both Finder Spot and Coron were out and, of our we bred. So just a lot um, of winners too. A lot of winners. Yeah. I mean, some of them yeah. might have won maiden claiming and 10,000 or so, but he did have a high percentage of winners as I remember. And, yeah, and no, then, you're right about that. And Attaboy and, and, Roy, and, <laughs> not to leave nationhood, but Attaboy mm-hmm. Roy, you knew him from day one, even before, and he was just a beautifully confirmed horse. Um, and he had a state champion early in his career. Well, Bodenheimer, once he left Washington, but Bodenheimer was a Washington bred, of course, and uh, four more wins from Bodenheimer this year. He's still going well at the age of five. And uh, how's, right. how's Attaboy Roy doing in Kentucky? I'm sure you followed his progress a little bit. Right, uh, I think they're at, they 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 wish that they had put him at maybe at one of like Iowa or Indiana or Minnesota or one of those places, but she she really can't find a place. She's looking around for a place to stand him, and mm. and uh, but um, I don't have any room for him. I mean, I have the two stallions. I'm also standing Gold Rush Dancer for John Parker, and and that's the that's the space I've got, and it doesn't make sense to and. You know, horses go through their ups and downs and whatever, and and uh, Attaboy Roy is is a little, is a bit of what I call the big horse sire, meaning that you know he's got these two really amazing horses. Actually, he had Risque's legacy in his first crop um, uh, before he ever got Mister Jagermeister. But uh, anyway, he he just he's he's a horse that 
that he can really get you a major. He's gotten two horses that were nearly the equal of himself, which is, or maybe they were the equal of himself, yeah. which is pretty unusual, really, and especially for a horse standing in, in the provinces, as we would call it <laughs> politely here. So uh, anyway, but he's he, and he's a beautiful horse, and, and uh, but I hope she finds a good place to put him because because uh, he deserves to still be as a stallion. Yeah, okay. inducted into the Washington Thoroughbred Hall of Fame, rightly so, this past summer, Attaboy Roy. Uh, wow, so many thrills for local fans. Just the one summer he spent here as a racehorse, but uh, sure was fun following his progress yeah. around the nation. And we're really rooting for these conveyance youngsters. Uh, again, uh, uh just three crops, but he'll have two-year-olds in 2024, and he has a pretty good history behind him as a sire, doesn't he? He does, and when I got him, um, he he just had three-year-olds, and and he and they were that was his first crop, and he really I thought well he, I think he's good enough, but he actually took off after that. He just really came into his own, and part of that was because I think a number of his horses during the COVID times they just weren't even in training, hmm. and then and then they came out and they were they and uh, and really were training well. He he had a really, really a nice horse named Nobody Listens that won the Grade Three. What is that? The Monster Dash or something at, at Parks there, and and was they were thinking about the the turf the Breeders Cup Turf Sprint with him, and uh, and on his way home he he was killed he he was killed in a in a trailer accident, and that was really a sad thing because that was really a nice horse yeah. and. and uh, but he, he really is amazing. His horses have run all over the country on every surface imaginable and they are, they win and, and they're really fast. So I, I can't see how he wouldn't, he isn't going to do well here. I think that he will. Yeah. And, uh, so he has, I think 20, there's 21 foals in the first crop and there's more like 28 or so in the second crop. And then there, he only, he only has, I think he has 13 mares and foals from this the final call. Well, that's plenty, and, uh, and I'm sure a lot of them are going to be campaigned by uh, Northwest owners as well, and conveyance, right. conveyance by Indian Charlie, who's by In Excess. In Excess, certainly a sire of sires, and Indian Charlie was a tremendous racehorse in his limited career, so in uh, conveyance, as Debbie just outlined, has had some runners, uh, all different surfaces, and certainly looking forward to seeing the first sons and daughters of conveyance at Emerald Downs in 2024, as well as the first sons and daughters of Barkley. Uh, that's going to be an exciting year for two-year-olds here locally. And uh, and now it's alternation, uh, and he'll be right. starting uh, some matings uh, probably next month, I take it, Debbie? Well, about the 10th of February is oh, okay. usually opening day All right. for uh, the breeding season. And uh, so, yeah, and and... People are very excited about him. I've had quite a few people come out to see him, and and um, my own regular clients are very excited about him. And so we're, you know, like I said, we're looking around at telling telling people look look at your look at your mare's pedigrees, and it doesn't have to be the pedigree. The Seattle flu doesn't need to be tail male. It can be internal. You know, lots of people like to use those nicking things, but. They only look at the tail male of both sides of the pedigree. They only look at essentially, well, not even half of the pedigree. 
And uh, so you need to you need to put a five generation pedigree up and take a look at it and see if there's if there's the inbreedings you're interested in and so forth. You know, but, not to, uh, not to get you inundated with phone calls, but they need to call you and get your <laughs> and get your advice on that nicking and the breeding. So uh, yes, but, and I'm happy to do that. I I I spend time on the phone. Right now, my landline has been down <laughs> since uh, we had a big windstorm. While actually, while I was in Kentucky, and and uh, and and they the people they just don't care. The phone company doesn't seem that interested in getting our landline operating. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because people just don't need their landlines. But yeah, so call me on my cell phone, and I'll talk to you about whatever dating plans you might have, or whatever so very good well you're coming through fine for horse racing northwest today and uh it's great to get the information out alternation now standing at paps blue ribbon farm in buckley a son of distorted humor out of alternate by seattle slough with a great race record and sire history already behind him so uh Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, Debbie. Uh, thanks for joining us and, and looking forward to a great 2024. Thanks very much and happy holidays to all of you. Thanks, Debbie. Debbie Pabst, again, uh, won just about every award, her and her family uh, in Washington breeding history, and uh, they syndicate many horses as yeah. well. I think there'd be a, to be commended for bringing in a new stallion, and that shows faith in the state uh, racing yes. industry that we're going to be here and uh, we're going to keep going strong and uh, they've had a little bad luck as she mentioned you know with yeah. stallions. but I remember with you on Nationhood every time I'd see a first time starter by Nationhood I took that horse very seriously because they were runners I, I, and I remember the horse himself he was kind of a small thing yeah and uh, but he was so nicely put together and was just a stone runner. I don't know what happened in the mile that day. It was probably the only time well, that he was didn't his fire. last race. Yeah, and uh, but he was a racehorse and yeah. he he had a real nice style too, and he he certainly passed that on to his progeny. That was uh, quite a summer here at Emerald Downs. Wasserman had those four photo finish stakes wins. Yep. Nationhood won two stakes. Yeah. Uh, um, Chahaya Dance. Chahaya Dance uh, nipped Wasserman in the, the mile and a 16th stake. Yeah. Um, and uh, that the was... The Mount Rainier, maybe, yeah. back then? So, yeah. yeah, that was a, a real exciting summer here at the track. And Nationhood uh, uh, didn't race anymore after that mile. But, uh, yeah, he had a good career at Paps Blue Ribbon Farm. Thanks to Debbie for joining us. As we're going to take a timeout, and uh, wait a minute, this was segment number three. We are in it. Let's not take any timeouts. Okay. Size over there shaking his head. I forgot how to sequence uh, a podcast. So let's move on to our sports shorts. What do you got this week, Vince? Well, first I want to pass on a, a pretty cool horse I saw debut, a Washington bred last okay. weekend at Golden Gate. And this is the eighth full out of Striking Scholar. To make it to the races it was in a maiden special at golden gate uh by hardsman broke dead last in a maiden special a 10th and a 10 horse field came running really strong at the end and and finished third beating two and a half got a 55 buyer it's a two-year-old and uh owned and bred by the hansons trained by blaine wright ridden by kevin roscoe joey you know we'd like to see those first time starter two-year-olds finish with interest and certainly with that breeding it it could be a, a very nice horse okay what did you have his name there? Yeah, it's free again. Free uh, again. Okay. Uh, I'm uh, putting that one on stable mail because he's 
he's going to be a second-time starter. Uh, he's going to be a second-time <laughs> starter, and uh, Striking Scholar has produced six multiple winners already, in, uh, and we know the big ones like uh, uh, Madame Paley and, of course, uh, Striker PhD and No Slow Mo and a bunch of other ones. They've all been good horses, so it's kind of exciting to see a horse it like is. that uh, debut with a nice run. And that was a that was a tough maiden special weight field down there. So uh, could be could be a horse with a future. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Striker PhD, Madam Pele, both with three wins in the Washington Cup. Unbelievable, each. yeah. The only two horses with three Washington Cup wins. Uh, sport shorts. You, um, I do got one. Okay, let me go first. Go. I'm going to go a uh, couple guys that have changed pro sports. Richard Sherman has changed professional football. He, uh, part of that great Seahawk defense in Pete Carroll's early tenure at in Seattle, Richard Sherman was very physical. He was a hands-on uh, pass defender, a hand here, a grab here, a second hand here, a push here. What is going on in football these days, Vince? I mean, the, the big call every game is, is it going to be called or is it not? Meaning pass interference. In and, fact, yeah, it's to the point where if you're following a team or cheering for a team and you see uh, uh, they break up the play or they make the uh, pass completion, you're, you're well, well, hold the phone. Let's see if there's a flag there because it just happens so often. Exactly. And I'm telling you, Richard Sherman is responsible for the change over the last 10 years. If you watch pass routes and defenders, I even saw one just the other day. You watch the 10 years ago and farther back, they're running alongside the guy. They're not locking up an arm. They don't have two hands on. They're not grabbing the neck or grabbing one hand around the waist. Those things were all called. But Richard Sherman changed the tempo because you can't call it five, six times a game. You get him a couple times, and he got called for it. But uh, the next guy tried doing that, and then the next guy, and then the next guy can grab a little bit more. And, and now it's it's not chaotic, but, boy, those uh, those referees have a lot on their shoulders. And, you know, we've seen games decided with the call or non-call on uh, defenders of pass routes. So Richard Sherman, uh, hey, he did what he wanted to do, and the Seahawks were pretty good for it. Giannis Antipacunto for the Milwaukee Bucks. Hell of a player. Oh, my gosh. The Greek freak. He's got an NBA title behind him, and uh, he's changed basketball in North America. The Euro step. In fact, I was watching the game with a buddy the other day, and uh, – um, Giannis, it wasn't even Giannis. It was somebody, oh, the Euro step for the layup. Okay, what, what does that mean? That means one extra step, meaning traveling. But Giannis came over from Greece and was a, I think he was a teenager his first year in the NBA. Um, since he was from Europe, he was allowed to do the Euro step. And not only is he doing the Euro step to a huge advantage, He's got the longest strides I've ever seen, doesn't yeah. he? Well, yeah, it means if he can have an extra step, it means he's in business at half court That's... without having to dribble the ball. <laughs> Basically, yes. So he's changed the game as well, and I've broadcast a lot of high school basketball. I saw a huge change from 2022 to 2023, even in, down to the trickle down to the high school level on letting Euro steps go by, which is uh, against the nearly 100-year 
tenure of basketball of uh, traveling violations. Uh, the Eurostep is allowed a uh, lot more often than it's called now. And it basically is a travel, but Giannis was from Europe and we know that European basketballs officiate a little different. Anyway, those two guys, Giannis and Richard Sherman, have changed the game in their respective sports. How about you? Well, we talked the other day also about Magic Johnson. Yeah, you brought up a good one there. Carrying the ball a little bit with a exactly exaggerated dribble. Where Nobody he, carried the ball it up and, until yeah he came around. And they just weren't they didn't they didn't call it. So it, again, that changed the game. Okay, mm-hmm. I got a real esoteric one here. Um. New York Jets, who you and I have kind of followed a little bit this year for a couple of reasons. Uh, listen to this one. They're the only team in NFL history to provide four separate one-win teams with their only wins of the season. The 68 Buffalo Bills, the 72 Houston Oilers, the 1980 New Orleans Saints, and the 1991 Indianapolis Colts all had only one win, and it was against the Jets. No kidding. Yeah. I got That's courtesy of the New York Post. Dang. Okay. Well, the Jets... Uh negative history continues in 2023 that's for sure although they Uh, did get a win the other day yeah yeah but uh, they were supposed to win over nine and a half games and that ain't going to be close in fact it's a mathematical impossibility now and yeah they had the big injury but uh boy their offense has been really really bad for a guy who doesn't play Aaron Rodgers sure is still in the news a lot isn't he that's a good stat uh four teams with one win Provided yeah. by the Jets. Okay, uh, that was our sport short selections. I actually uh, have a race Friday night at Remington Park. It's the Springboard Mile. It's been a pretty good race. It's a $300,000 purse for two-year-olds going a flat mile. And there's been some pretty good uh, horses at Oaklawn in that uh, winter three-year-old series, winter-spring three-year-old series that have come out of the Springboard Mile. You've got three horses that have done well. Glenn Gary uh, won at Keeneland, won a stake at Keeneland, six furlongs. Raging Torrent comes out of two grade ones in California. Uh, He was fourth in both of those, but nonetheless, grade ones. And also Otto the Conqueror by Street Sense. uh, He's won two straight at Churchill Downs at seven furlongs, one fast, one sloppy track dirt, both dirt. So... Those three horses all like to show tactical speed or go to the front. I'm going to take an improver by Good Magic. That son of Curlin's off to a great start as a sire. And he's out of a Harlan's Holiday mare who was a winner and has uh, had another stakes winner out of uh, Holiday Birdie by Harlan's Holiday. So of four foals to race, she's had two stakes winners already. And this horse had the huge second out improvement. He went from an unplaced race in a maiden sprint to a seven furlong stake at Remington, and he won by four and a half going away at 23 to one. His name is Magic Grand. He's number four in the Remington Springboard Mile on Friday night, about 725 at Remington Park, race number 10. Magic Grant, trained by Eddie Milligan who's having an outstanding year from very limited starters. Doesn't Steve Asmussen, he usually has one or two in that race. Uh, you've got Doug O'Neill. You've got Brad Cox with two. You've got uh, Asmussen has Otto the Conqueror, the two-time Churchill Downs winners, five to two morning line. And uh, so Aramia, Richard Aramia is aboard. He's been the regular rider on Magic Grants. Eight to one morning line, a horse that, 
should get a really good pace, had huge second out improvement over the, the track that he's running at Remington on Friday night. So Magic Grant in the springboard mile, eight to one. I'll be looking at that. Hey, right. and a couple of familiar faces won the first race at Oakland Park the other day, Joe. The yeah, that's right. I, uh, Colonel Barton was the name of the horse. That's correct. Yeah. Mike, Mike Puich and Rocco Bowen teamed up for the first win at the new meet with uh, called by Matt Dinnerman. That's right. And I think those two are going to combine with a couple more horses in the next couple of days too, just peeking at the entries. Very good. And uh, we talked about Bill Downs. Uh, he's going to be calling the action at Golden Gate starting the day after Christmas on their winter-spring meet. And Emerald Downs will be is on the search for a new track announcer for the 2024 meeting. All right. Uh, trivia to uh, close out the show. I thought our last question was, it was hard, but uh, we're going to stick with it for another week. So uh, get on that, you good trivia researchers and answerers. And that is, what is the highest price paid for a Washington bred horse in a claiming race? What's the highest claim among Washington bred horses in history? And we started that because My Harbor's Dream, who's number two on our earnings list among Washington breds this year, was claimed for 62.5 in New York in uh, November, October or November, uh, but he's not top on the list. So send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Thanks so much to our guest, Debbie Pabst, uh, Jerry Hammer, the younger brother of Howard Hammer. Again, his service, Howard Hammer's service, is this Sunday in Deming at 1 p.m. at the Deming Log Show. Howard Hammer passing away at age 103. Frank Lucarelli helped us out with that as well. And uh, Vince, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you as well. Same to you. Yeah, thank you. And same to all of our listeners out there. This has been Parse Racing Northwest.